knives out, silk and dragon meat. This is staying in. So, gentlemen. Uh, Hello. When was the last time you took a bath? Do you enjoy baths generally? Oh, I don't like baths. You don't? No. You don't like them? Mm. Now, we're specifically talking about not visiting the baths. No, we're, we're not, talking no, about yeah. visiting the bath in your bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Right. I don't like how long it takes to fill. I don't like the fact that the temperature's never right. It's always too hot. And then it's relaxing for five minutes. And then for the rest of the time, it's just a bit of a, of a faff. It's just okay. a faff, isn't it? All right. Dan, what about you? What's your perspective on the bath? I, I, I love a good bath. Much for a bath or a shower every day of the okay. week. Okay. We heard about your hotel hacks last time, but what is there a particular thing you do with the bath? Or is it just you just fill it with water and you sit in it? Um, do you like candles? Bubble bath? I mean, bubble bath, definitely. Just sitting in just plain water is just like, I don't know, I'm not a Neanderthal. Um, give me some bubbles. Who famously? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, famously didn't use bubble bath. I mean, that's true. That is true. That's the only thing that sets us apart. Now, the, reason, the reason I mention this, gents, is that I went into a flotation tank last week. Okay, right. A number Immediately, a number yep. of questions spring to mind. <laughs> yep. First of which is, you do realise that wasn't a bath. Yeah, no, no, I was using that as a... As a kind of an icebreaker or an opener. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, he, he turns up with his soap and his sponge. <laughs> <laughs> they open it up afterwards. It's just Chris in suds. He's, he's, he's brought one of those kind of bottles of bubble bath that comes in the shape of a sailor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were irritated that I'd, I'd just pulled the plug out as well. I mean, they were expecting me. <laughs> um, no, so, yeah, you're right, right, Pete. This isn't a bath for several reasons. One, that it, it is full to the brim with salt and what that does is it makes the water go quite viscous and syrupy because it allows you to float it's like being a bit in the dead sea and second you are more or less sealed inside this shell when you lower yourself into it you kind of pull this thing down and um it, it, it was this was basically at float planet in liverpool i did this and uh my partner bought it for me because I've always wanted to do something like this. Like I really do. I'm a bit like a budgie in the sense that I get really relaxed in the dark. Like pitch dark is when I'm at my most relaxed, really. Which, <laughs> Just which throw is a why. blanket over him. <laughs> yeah. And a bucket of water. Yeah. If ever he gets too excited, just switch the light off and he yeah. immediately calms down. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, like somebody hands him a mirror, he can be entertained for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Just me and my cuttlefish. And... Um, so basically, yeah, so the way it works is this. So you, you, you go there, you have a little shower to kind of wash off all the natural oils of the body. Then you lift up this dome, you get in, and there's this relaxing piano music playing. And um, I took in with me that they are provide for you this, like, fin, like this, the floats you used to have when you would go swimming, but like a, a ring that you put under your head to keep your head afloat. And you just sat there floating on your back there, and then the, the, the piano music fades down, and that tells you that you're session has begun so 45 minutes and i and then you've got a big button to the side which you can hit and it just plunges everything into darkness and you're just floating in the dark and to start off with you get a little bit anxious because you're basically sealed into what feels a bit tomb-like for want of a better word but after a while it i can't explain it you just feel like you're in some kind of a spacewalk because you're floating like I, i and it's quite a big tank I was kind of spinning around without realising it because you can't see. And 
It was a bit like Fantasia with the hippos. I do want to kind of ask that because you sent us a picture of what the like the tomb, as you describe it, was, <laughs> and it didn't look that big. I mean, yeah, for you, Dan, you're, you're taller than me, so I can imagine your, your feet will be sticking out at the end. But like, no, it's no, it's it's really, it is quite big. It's quite tricky can you, to get. Can you describe it for me? Because how, how? Yeah. So imagine, imagine basically like your classic science fiction film. What an escape pod would look like. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. Immediately, I know what that yeah, looks like. Exactly. And okay. but but the way to get into it is like. It, you, you like lift the boot of a car up, but it's this nice smooth kind of dome, and you kind of get inside and you drop it down, yeah. and um, you're splashing uh, around. Are you sure this wasn't just some dodgy car boot that you went to? Just like, yeah, get in there, son. Somebody slapping the roof of it. So much relaxation in there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I so so. Do you did you did you, so? You said you were floating and feeling very space like. Some people report. Um, hearing noises or seeing colours or anything like that? Like, did anything strange happen to you? Yeah, it did, actually. Like, So they give you ear... Um, uh, what are they called? Uh, plugs. Earplugs, yeah. Earplugs. So you, you kind of wedge those in there so you, you, you can just hear your breath quite loudly. But I had this really weird thing where, like, I closed my eyes for quite a while and it's so dark in there that even with your eyes open, you can't... You know, that little bit where you're thinking, are my eyes open or closed? Um, you just start doubting yourself because there's no difference. Hang on, no, I've never thought that. I've never thought <laughs> I that. Have. I yeah, have. No, I have. I, must I have. Yeah. Dan, when you're in pitch dark, when you're in pitch dark. Yeah. So, like, I had my eyes closed for quite a while and then I opened them and for, a, like, a split second, I saw, like, these complex hieroglyphics and runes just floating above my head. And I actually thought it had been projected inside yeah, the tank. Yeah, I've had that before. And this was part of, part of the treatment. I just saw these runes, these kind of hieroglyphs projected above, and it kind of really, really unsettled me. And then it just disappeared. Wow. Uh, but it flew by the time it did. It really did. I'd highly recommend doing it. Once you get over that first couple of minutes, we get a little bit anxious. Um, it's absolutely fine. And they did a fantastic job there. They really do look after you. And then you hear the piano music again. I, I have oh, some sorry. very important questions to ask. Okay, Chris. go shoot. Okay. What does it smell like? Do you know what? It didn't smell of anything, actually. It was, it, it's, it just had a neutral kind of smell. Um, I mean, yeah, no smell whatsoever, really. Would you want to do stuff in there that was not hold on that was that was not just sensory deprivation like would it be good to like do work in or play games in or like eat food in or like like something where you just want to be really peaceful or is it or is it i, th- I, th- I think pete's misunderstanding right. what this thing is i mean if i took food if i took food in there i wouldn't need to season it because the amount of salt in that space <laughs> Um, no, you can't. You're, you're, you're floating. Like, I can't explain it. It's only like it's a foot deep, but you're like you can't stand up in it or anything like that, or even sit right. up in it properly because you're you're entirely buoyant. But you wouldn't want to like take a little book in with a little light and start reading. And, and no, I mean you look like one of those pilot fishes just floating around in the dark with your little <laughs> little book lights. <laughs> Um, no, you, you just sit and chill. I know, do you know what? As usually, you as usual, Pete. Whenever I do anything like this, whether it be a massage or any kind of health treatment, I always think, what would Pete do? And as soon as I saw this little ring that you put behind your head, I thought Pete would just put that into the front of his face, and he would be floating face down, <laughs> yeah. holding his breath for forty-five minutes. A hundred percent. So, does anyone does anyone have any resolutions yet? We're creeping towards mm. the new year. 
got to think about these things. Anything you want to change, improve? I've not even thought about it in the slightest sense whatsoever. I do. Oh, okay. We we obviously know that Pete's got his big book of stuff to do in a year. <laughs> I do. Do you know what? I have not. I have not started one of. I didn't start one of those this year, and I don't plan on doing it uh, next year either. Really? Yeah. I um. Why? Well, because I realised that I was kind of either getting through it really really quickly, or like not really doing it at all, and like. There's actually not that many things I want to do next year. <laughs> Pete, Pete has done all of the things. I've done all the things, guys. Basically, it, it, it's we wrap this up. That's it. There's a small number of larger things I would like to do next year. I know what they are. And one of them, and this is my resolution. Slam on the table. I... I'm going to be more creative next year. And it starts with me um, doing, I think, uh, starting to do stuff around RPGs. I want to write more in general and I want to like, like be creative yeah. and think more about game design and all that good stuff. And I've realized that one of the things I would really like to do is do some RPG stuff. And that might just be like a small little uh, scenario or something like that. Or it might be something a bit bigger or one of those sorts of things. Um, and um, I've kind of thought about lots of different games, and this kind of sparked off... You remember we were talking about Pixel Game Maker MV? Uh-huh. Like, that really did, like, if you set the the bar low enough, the scope small enough, you can create things, you can go off and do these things. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think RPGs are going to be the thing, because basically I've been really inspired recently. I went out to... Um, I went I went last year, I went to Dragon Meat... All right, M E E T. M E E T. Good, yeah. good play on words, um, and uh, uh, from the fan folks at Modifius. Um, now, I will couch this uh, because there's there's a potential conflict of interest, guys. I know we're very journalistic, very ethical. Um, I have just published a game with the people who run this event, so. Conflict of interest acknowledged. There we are. I don't, I don't um, want to hear anything else then. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I feel this whole thing feels tainted now. Get out, Johan Hari. Um, so, uh, yes, basically, um, uh, I would say. Uh, so I went to it. It's very, very good. Uh, it was very good last good. year. Um, you would say that though, wouldn't you? Oh, they're conflict. Uh, so, um, so if uh, you, uh, if you, if well, if you don't remember what I was saying about last year, basically it's a big RPG event, uh, and I mean tabletop RPGs. Um, it's spread over three floors now of uh, uh, a hotel in London, uh, the Novotel in Hammersmith, and, um, and it certainly really inspired me just to kind of go to an event like that and see uh, what could be done. Like you know, there's 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 a lot of creativity I think in that space, and there's a lot of like sp- space to actually like move in and do something interesting and different. I think the RPG community is quite open to new ideas. That's and, good and new things. I mean, I guess it's like I mean, obviously, like you know, we've been we've been playing uh, role playing games uh, as a group recently, and we've been playing specifically the Batman game. And uh, the Batman role-playing game, and it's really interesting that you can, you know, go and play a game that's about superheroes and uh, and uh, and all sorts of other things by the end of the adventure. Um, 
and uh, and you can also go and play as um, anthropomorphized mice who run a bike gang in uh, Heavy Metal Thunder Mouse, and you can also go and uh, play as you know a, a level seven cleric cleric elf. Uh, in Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or something like that, and there's tons of other different spaces, and I I find that really inspiring. Like quite, you know, that you can just do anything and make it into a role playing game. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're these wonderful imagination factories that you've just got at your fingertips. Yeah, like the Lord of the Rings one, you very kindly got me for my birthday. Yeah, it's great, honestly. I'm I'm, I'm massively addicted to. It. I've actually started using it in my teaching. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. So, um, like, I'll run an RPG session for the students just to kind of introduce them to a, a way of being able to improvise and create characters. And they, right. and actually, to start off with, they're kind of they're often a little bit kind of what this is a bit weird. But actually, seeing like things such as D and D more and more appearing in popular culture, I'm thinking off the top of my head, Stranger Things, for right. example, right. makes it a little bit more appealing. For them, they've got something there that they they can kind of recognise. Say, for example, yeah. and they can also see how it relates to how it's almost in some respects no different to the kind of processes they're doing when they're creating characters for performances. Say, for example, yeah, just a different outcome for it, really. Yeah, I think that's ever since we started playing RPGs, not even too long ago, kind of we started playing them. It struck me very early on that this kind of seemingly impenetrable kind of area of RPGs is just improvisation. And yeah. once you actually just think of it like that, yes, potentially, depending on who you are, you, that might be still a hurdle you need to get past. And that can be difficult for some people, absolutely. But if you're in a, 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 a space where you feel safe with the people that you're with to kind of express yourself and try new ideas, and there's not going to be any kind of people laughing at you because everyone's in the same boat... That was a big kind of thing of like, oh, this is this is just improvising. If if I make a joke and yeah. it falls flat, then that's okay. There's not a problem. You just move on to the next bit. That's my life. Yeah. I find it to be a real social way of playing a game. And yeah. so if you're not if you're limiting what level of social interaction you can have, then that yeah. is taking all the fun out of it. If you're all sat there like, well, hold on, we, we could talk, but I do need to figure out which combination of dice and results I need. Like, that that to me is like, mm. Mm. Oh. So, Pete, this is your second time at Dragon Meat. Yep. What, uh, as I'm a newbie, for a, a new person visiting Dragon Meat, what's your top tip? If you are, like, new to RPGs, I would say the best thing is um, block out about four hours for it. If you and and go there and do a do do basically two laps, go and do it like twice, go like the whole thing twice because you'll see everything. You'll take it all in once, and then you'll go and actually do the things that you go and get the things you want to do. Go to the Playtest UK stuff. Go and see in, interesting new stuff happening. Um, I haven't listened to the lectures or anything, so but I probably will next year. If if you're into RPGs though, and you haven't been to the event, I would say go bang on for when it opens because you can go and play RPGs there as well and there are people who are just running games at, oh brilliant yeah but like mm -hmm. obviously you're probably going to want four or five hours just for that so anyway yeah mm -hmm. it was very inspiring um, so maybe I'll um, maybe I'll start putting some ideas together cool. at some point when do we when do we want to do you know 
Well, it sounds like somebody. It sounds like someone's ready already. <laughs> just well, can I just tell you something about the Secret Santa thing? So I, I was yes. so paranoid about accidentally opening my Secret Santa by mistake that um, I had this parcel yeah. on my desk here that I thought was my Secret Santa gift, <laughs> and it turns out I'd just been staring at the Hoover attachment I'd ordered in to replace the one we've got. <laughs> <laughs> I was that paranoid. I didn't open any parcels. I just assumed. Can you imagine if you'd opened that on the show? Like, oh, yeah. great. Yes, the ghost story I really wanted. <laughs> yeah. The oh. ghost of Henry the Hoover, the possessed. <laughs> hang on, hang on. You're, you're ordering in Hoover attachments. Like, yeah. what? What kind of attachment is it? An attachment that's broken, or something you really want to do with a Hoover? Yeah, it's an attachment that's broken. It's not. We're not trying to pimp up the Hoover. <laughs> it's one that's already broken. Is this? Is this for the purpose of cleaning or the, for the purpose of fun? Cleaning. What? Why? What? It's. I've never really seen a Hoover as a status symbol, Pete. I don't know. Like, like maybe there's like a game you can play with it or something. Like, I don't know. You, you ever play blow football? Yeah, there's that other game called Ellie Fun as well. Yeah, Ellie Fun. I mean, there you go. You pick the one sport that the, the, my Hoover cannot do, which is blow. <laughs> oh, that was a short game. Oh, oh, um, yeah. yeah. But, so, for, yeah, Ellie, you could do you could do Ellie Fun. You could do like a version of Hungry Hungry Hippos. Uh, it's true. 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 Mm-hmm. Was that the attachment you bought? A big hippo's mouth. Was yeah. it that? Was it that, Chris? <laughs> to make Hoovering more fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, it's not. It's not plugged in. It's just a big pump at the back that you just have to frantically. <laughs> to, to be fair. To be fair. It would make hoovering more fun. What if it was a big hippo's mouth? Yeah, yeah, of course it would. Or an elephant's mouth, probably, probably be better. But like, uh, yeah, that'd be amazing. You'd be like, look, look at this great fun time that I'm having, hoovering out the back of the car. Like, brilliant. We need to. There we go. We need need to get on that. Yeah. You can visit stayingin.merch.com. Don't for because (laughs) someone will. And they'll be like, oh. One of the um, the reasons I spoke of uh, resolutions before is 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 like Pete. I've already um, given myself a resolution for the new year. Um, uh, so much so that I'm enacting it out at the moment. It's currently in out of beta phase, and in, and it's gone gold. Resolution <laughs> is happening, um, and. Huh. It was a resolution that came about when I was round Chris's one weekend and we were playing a game called Silk. Mm. Um, now, Silk is um, a very, very good game. Incredible game. Um, part sort of area control, part worker placement. Um, the idea of it is that you are all essentially like worm farmers and between you the shepherd you control and this little mastiff dog you have to sort of wrangle these little worms that you have onto the best most fertile bits of ground in order to make the most points essentially and it's this wonderful little um sort of entry level game into the world of like area control and and worker placement it's exceptionally really inviting and yeah, everyone that I've showed it to has taken to it extremely well, and and I and I love it. And it's got this wonderful mechanic to it, which essentially you can only ever do what you roll the dice to do. 
So all the different actions like moving your shepherd or putting down new little um, grubs or building a wall in order to protect a little bit of your fiefdom uh, is all determined by the number that you roll on a dice between one to six. You roll two dice, so you get two actions per turn. And um, that's great because it eliminates a bit of that analysis paralysis of like looking at the board and going, oh my God, what am I going to do this turn? So we were playing this excellent game and um, <laughs> it was while we were playing this, it was me and Chris and Chris's partner and Chris's neighbour. And it was when we passed an hour of playing this very light um, area control game that I realised that I finally saw myself in um, Chris's neighbour to the fact that he was taking, on average, about 10 to 15 minutes to decide on what he was going to do with his turn. Right. And it was in that moment that I just had a bit of a sort of a brain strike. And I thought, you know what I need to do more of? Is I need to just have more fun with games. Like, I need to stop always thinking of, hmm, what does probability say the best move here is? And what is my opponent going to do? And can I stop them? And what would be the most judicious part of you know movement in this situation and like i just have this realization playing silk that this is a game that just wants you to have fun like it is just a game that wants you to roll some dice and go right this is what i'm doing let's try and make the best of a of, of the situation here and i felt like i take games sometimes far too seriously mm. It was just like part of my resolution for this next year um, is just to try and let that little bit of me go. And even though Silk has this wonderful um, um, so like little bit of depth to it, which allows you to do those kind of that thinking around this area control and this, this, this puzzle that's going on. It really, I think it really is a game that shines best when you just take a step back and you just go, right, I'm just going to see what's... If I move that there, let's just see what happens. Right. Um, that sort of create the creative side of play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not worry so much about um, what probability says like the best, the best move is in this gambit. Because I think it just like... With certain games and with certain people, I think you can kind of do that, but... I think you really have to pick and choose the game that you're doing it with. Like me and Chris are talking about this. And I think something like Blood Bowl or a miniatures game. Yeah, go go at it. Really start thinking about the minutiae of like exactly how far away your character is. So you want to do that. So you've got to get them within a certain millimeter to like perform some sort of action or like you've got to really think about yeah. that. Absolutely. Uh, miniatures games actually have this real... Um, uh, I think I personally I think problem um which is in the competitive scene sometimes you can bring calculators and there are um there are people who turn up to competitive games and even open games like that are just more like narrative friendly just hanging out in a store kind of games um and they'll bring with them apps calculators laptops that kind of thing and they will sit there and they will figure out the best sets of probability for each unit shooting at each different other unit on the field right yeah and so it'll be like okay well i get six dice with this and then i'll get 
this this is their wounds and this is their toughness and this is the strength and then and they fit, sit there and figure it all out and, uh, and then they go yep brilliant six dice and like oh it's too much like it yeah exactly. it's far too much I think Sam I think you at times get a with games and stuff like that, you get quite competitive do you fo- yes. do you think that this kind of change of kind of thought process is also about kind of not worrying about winning so much and just having that take a back seat or is your focus still winning but having more fun with it no i I, i'm not i i want to try and get rid of that part of me which is always focused on on winning and trying to eke Mm. out like what is the best strategy and after i've played a game i'm always thinking like i want to change my thought process into from what was what would have been a better strategy in order for me to win i want to change it from that to this is how much fun i have playing that game or like what can i do differently to have a bit more fun next time and it was kind of like it's kind of strange that i can sort of focus it in on that on that one game silk but it kind of just is this like has been this wonderful little beacon in like my gaming collection which has shown me because it kind of straddles that line perfectly between this could be a really analytical like worker placement an area control game mm. but at the same time it's a game that's just trying to tell you that like this is this is just this is just for fun and it's lots of little worms going about yeah. the business yeah and 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 in defense just slightly in defense of my neighbor he did have like a bottle and a half of red wine in it <laughs> yes. So he's Larry. Ah, I gotta win no, this. Um, but no, but like this is this is a this um game it comes from Devier Games. Um what for me is really quite stand out on this, aside from what Sam said, is that it, we talked about croquet a few episodes back. And this is like croquet in the sense that everything has a knock on effect. So yes. I can actually I can move my shepherd, which will knock the move the dog from one tile, which will move which will round up the worms and can kind of move them onto another tile, which then will then later on in my other dice roll go into the path of the Ukami. So you can literally roke, for want of a better word, or you can knock people off the board, as Sam was saying. Yeah. But actually, like, because silkworm farming, worm farming, um, doesn't sound um, a particularly sexy theme, but what makes this game really appealing also is Rock Espinay's artwork, which is his lovely kind of pastel colours. As Sam was saying, it's a lovely game. It's like mm-hmm. looking into a bowl of Lucky Charms, like these colours on the board. And actually, you get over that theme very easily, and it becomes a lot more abstract as a consequence. Um, it's it's a, it's a delightful game. It really is a delightful yeah. game. It's not going to set the world on I- fire, but it is delightful. I'm I'm really, really excited about playing this game Again, because I think like Silk is going to be that that game that if I can keep playing it is going to eventually teach me to to appreciate what it is to have fun with a game rather than what it is to always try and win and be competitive. Anyway, do you want to, Chris? Do you want to open your real present now? You can go first because 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 you've gone on about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. you've gone on and on about it, and how much you you've been waiting to open it. Yeah, right. Forever. I mean, so so this is our secret Santa we do every year. It is. Uh, in the last episode, I asked for my Santa to send me a ghost story. Mm. I've got it here. 
By the way, Chris, I, I, I still own the one that you gave me. So you can have that back at the weekend. Yeah, cool. I always love the noises that get made. They're, they're scrunching, scrunching of, oh, of presents. That's one, that's one of my favourite things. Awesome. So this is Dark Matter by Michelle Paver. I know why Sam's laughing. So Michelle Paver is a very, very good modern day ghostwriter. Um, so Sam is actually showing the copy of Dark Matter that I let him borrow. <laughs> Right. Actually, I talked about it in the last pod, but I forgot the title of it. And yes, we did. <laughs> and if only we'd remembered the title. That's I mean, amazing. But the, the annoying thing is, Sam, it was right within arm's reach of you. I know. I know. I I genuinely thought I'd given it back to you. So, I guess does this mean I get a double present this year? Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm made up because I actually, uh, since since the last episode, I was actually wanting to reread this, but I couldn't <laughs> find it on my shelf anywhere because this is, this is genuinely one of my favourite ghost stories. So I, I thank you so much, Santa, because um, I am actually going to start rereading this because, uh, you know, when books say they're spine tingling and you think, well, okay, well, I, I've never really experienced that. In this book, I have done. Really yeah. incredibly unsettling. So um, thank you so much, Santa. That's very kind. It's very thoughtful. Incredible, yeah, it's a great book. This is this is my gift. It is a red envelope, uh, and it has my name on it, which is good. That's what did you ask? What did you ask Santa for again, Pete? Uh, so I asked for a game uh, that represented me. Uh, so um, uh, what I am like. So it says here, Shh, "Secret Santa" on the back. So we all had a limit of ten pounds. It's worth saying again. That's true. It's a card. Okay. Have so much fun this Christmas, and it's a little. Uh, I mean, I like it. I like that a lot, actually. That's uh, beautiful. That's beautiful. So, oh, hello, uh, to Peter. Traditional opening. Enjoy every minute, and then after that is of this game that I believe reflects your personality. And there's a code here. This is lots of love, Santa. Uh, you'll need your switch. Okay, I'll go and get my switch. Hold on a second. I'm putting in a little code. Here we are. The last letter is going in. Here we go. The game that sums up Peter Willington's personality as thought of by one of the members on this, on this call. By the Secret Santa is Undertale. Ooh, okay. Redeem. Here we go. I could ignore it. That wouldn't be very nice, would it? Um, uh, Undertale. Excellent. Okay. What? Okay. Oh, it's downloading now. Brilliant. I am going... To now, go over to here and type in what Undertale is. Because I always get this one mixed up with another game called Downwell. Which one's Down, this? What, the shoot 'em up Yes. Ah, Undertale. Okay, so it's a, it's like a, a an RPG, RPG. Oh, I've seen this character before. And the little dog. Okay, I am very, very excited to play this. Now, f- for, I'm sure all of you have played Undertale. Uh, so... Would you recommend that I know anything about this before going in? Or should I yes. have a little... Oh, okay, go on then. I would recommend that when you play it for the first time, to try and not kill anything. Okay. I could do that. You need to try and kind of push down that kind of bloodlust that we know you're, you always have. 
Don't let the red mist descend. We, we all know your stories of playing Street Fighter. <sighs> because someone might say that in terms of your personality, one, one could say that you're a person who appreciates um, the time someone might take to put into your relationship. True. And also you very much appreciate sort of um, you're a very karmic person. I think you believe that you put good into the world, you get good out of the world and you should appreciate the world you live in. I do think that. And so one could argue that Undertale is a perfect reflection of of those principles in what you put into the game, you will eventually get out of the game. I look forward to playing it. Also, it's very good. Pete, also, don't be put off by the first impressions of it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Chris! Uh, Joy to the world. Right, good. I'm really looking forward to playing that. Whoever my secret Santa was, thank you ever so much. That is a very, very thoughtful gift. All right. Uh, Okay, me next, by default. Uh, Mine's just in some cardboard packaging, very thin. Uh, this year I asked for a solitaire game oh it's been wrapped in traditional Christmas jet black paper (laughs) (laughs) it's Anish Kapoor's Christmas wrapping paper (laughs) and inside here it's a book and alright okay I was a bit worried about whether it's going to be a solitaire game because it's called Four F O U R Against Darkness, so I was a bit worried. But no, it is a solitaire dungeon delving pen and paper game. Entering the dungeon is easy, but will you get out of it alive? It says on the back. Four Against Darkness is a solitaire dungeon delving game that may also be played cooperatively. No miniatures are needed. All you need is this book, a pencil two dice, and grid paper. Oh, bloody hell. (laughs) And and three friends. (laughs) Says, length of game. Your first game will take a little bit longer than an hour. Uh, But after you familiarise yourself with the mechanics, a typical solo game lasts about 45 minutes. Mm. Cooperative games last longer due to the discussions among participants. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, you'll have to talk with your friends. So why why have you been playing... You you play a couple of solo games, don't you, Sam? Yeah, I just like... Lisa finds it incredibly weird when I'm just there sitting at home, like playing Ganshon on my own or playing Friday. But um, I think I see it as like one of those like all-round experiences. So if I'm like playing... A computer game, like I'm sitting in the in the in like the living room and like I'm watching TV. However, if I'm like if I'm just playing Friday or I'm looking at Journal Twenty Nine for an hour, still not figuring out what's earth going on, I've like made the choice to put on some music. I've got a drink, maybe I've got a snack. I'm sitting somewhere comfortable. I'm nice. It's a bit like what we talked about in that miniatures thing. It's that is that making that very very conscious decision of. I'm going to take these next 30 minutes for myself. Yeah. But, like, it's not what I thought. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, inside the book was just going to be, like, uh, essentially, like, a choose-your-own-adventure. Right. What, like a Death Trap Dungeon or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, but it's not. It's just me on my own playing an RPG. (laughs) 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 
<laughs> I like I like the fact that the book seems to kind of it feels as though it's a four person game, but the writers decided no, I want this to be a one person game. So I'm just gonna the first line is going to be you play this by yourself, and then everything else is about being cooperative. Yeah. But you're playing it by yourself. Oh my my god. This is this is this is incredible. Chris, I know you're meant to be coming around this weekend, but uh I'll just sit in the corner <laughs> reading Dark Matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reading your new book. Thanks, Santa. Alright, is it my turn then? No. Uh, uh, you don't get no, one. Oh, you don't get one. Come on, let Dan. Well, let up Dan. up until about an hour ago, you're right, I didn't think I was gonna get one. What tell us the story, Dan. What happened? How did well, you mess I mean, this up? I mean, first, firstly, didn't mess anything up. Secondly, I don't yep. think there's too much of a story. Thirdly, right. I didn't have a third thing. I just I, I got <laughs> threes are just nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, things comedy things just, should just come in threes. Um, so yeah, so uh, kind of the way this works is kind of we all send stuff and then people will be like, oh, I got my gift. I got my gift. I've sent mine. I've sent mine. And like. Pete, you'd said I've sent mine, and I've got mine, Chris. I've sent my, I've got mine, Sam. I've sent my blah blah. blah. I I said I've sent my gift. Nothing had arrived. Nothing had arrived. I was I was still at work, and my wife had come home early, um, and she um actually uh she texted me and said uh there's no secret Santa. I was like oh okay, and I promise you her next text was, do you want me to uh, email the person who got you? The president tell you how they are, <laughs> and I was like, "No, that's okay." Because she's, she's like really annoyed. And I was like, "No, it's all right. We'll work something out." So at that point, literally up until like an hour and an hour and a half ago, I didn't have a gift. And then when I got home, on the side there was a package Ooh. that my wife had misinterpreted and thought it wasn't a secret Santa. But I mean, potentially it's not. Who knows? I might show this to you guys and none of you may recognise it. And actually, I don't have a secret could be, Santa. Could be a Hoover attachment. Hoover attachment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did, you, yeah. did, you did ask for something for the house. So it could be a staying in branded Hoover attachment. Just Chris's face on the end. Oh, God. I, I'm not going to lie. I just ripped off my old one and posted it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah. So I did ask for something from the house. Um, and I, I came home and I found this um, cylinder package waiting for me from um, uh, uh, an online company. I mean, the fact that it's a tube kind of leads me down a path. Pringles. That it's some kind of some kind of print or something. And hang on, hang on. Oh, oh hang on. Bottle. Oh, it's a oh. bottle. It's a bottle of wine. Oh. I believe it to be a print of something. It's very it's thin. It's a very thin book. It's wrapped in tissue. <laughs> Parchment. Parchment. It's the staying in commandments. Oh, Thou, thou shalt not mention Monopoly. <laughs> thou shalt always say, my wife. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. This is uh, a print okay. um, from one of my favourite scenes, from one of my favourite games. <gasps> and it's a beautiful print. And it is a print of the scene in The Last of Us where Ellie and Joel oh. meet the giraffe. Oh, well. And it is... Stunning. Uh, it's kind of like a silhouette against like a kind of a sunset background, um, and that is beautiful. And oh. I will, I will get that framed or mounted, and I will put that. I will in hang the that up in my office, uh, in my hopefully new house. And ro- so, whenever I'm podcasting, I will be able to look up and see that picture. 
You have a little giraffe looking at you. I will indeed. Oh. 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 Hang on. Who's that? Hang on. Just no. Just no. Oh. Who's that? No. Is that who I think it is? No. Just get this. He's got is props. That? He's got props. Hello. Hello. Who's who's there? Oh, no. It can't be, can it? Is it? Hello. Oh. It's the question man. <gasps> it's the qu- How are you? Oh, I'm I'm fine, thanks, question man. I, I wasn't really expecting your. Expecting your call. I'm, I'm fine, thanks. I can't believe it's the question, man. And uh, and how are you? I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Oh, oh, oh brilliant. Oh. Well, this is... He's very friendly, isn't he, the question, man? <laughs> he is very friendly, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> he uh, he's, he's, uh, the, the, the one thing I've never quite understood about the question, man, is um, he's, he's, he's quite, he's, he's a lack of emotion in his voice, isn't there? It's quite a... <laughs> I know. It's not really. I know. Have, you got a, um, have, you, have you got a question for us? The question is from Holly... Oh, I'm very, very excited to hear the questions from from Holly. Um, okay, question man. So, can you uh, can you tell us? <laughs> you are too happy with this. <laughs> can you tell us what? <laughs> <laughs> what is your favourite quality street? Oh, did you, did you, okay. did you all hear that? Yep. yep. I don't think he needs to repeat himself. All, all right, question man. Yeah, we've we've got the question now. Um, so, Can you, I just want to say, question man, uh, uh, love to the love to the family. I uh, hope you have a good Christmas. Goodbye. I love you, Sam. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> a little bit of. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. He didn't sound that sure, did he? A little bit of favoritism there. Um, okay, so, uh, so thanks, question man. I've got his number now. Okay, oh, is, uh, we'll, we'll we'll give. Him, yeah. Um, so. Um, Okay, current varieties currently in the quality street. I'll quickly go through them, uh, top to bottom mm-hmm. of the list. This comes from uh, uh, our favourite website, Wikipedia. Um, so there is... Um, so I should explain for our listeners in New Zealand uh, that uh, <laughs> there... And uh, where else are we famous? Australia uh, and... Famous is a stretch. Well, yeah. America probably don't know what quality street that's are. true um there's all sorts of other places uh where was the other one south korea was that one of the ones mm-hmm. yeah so um yeah uh, hello to all of you by the way and and we hope you have a good christmas or if you don't celebrate christmas i hope you just have a nice couple of weeks um so quality street are basically a um a chocolate a confection and they are little different kinds of chocolates usually filled with something in the middle um and they are quite famous in britain probably abroad somewhere as well um, and they're all wrapped in very colourful uh, wrapping, uh, a little plastic wrapping. And children in schools uh, would make, uh, after Christmas, <laughs> would make uh, little collages out of them. Do you remember that? Did you ever make little quality no, street wrapper no. collages? No. no. Another bleak chapter from the annals of Wellington. Oh no! I used to make I used to make quality street, uh, which is probably the sign of like your school compared to mine. Right. We used to make quality street stained glass windows. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, it does. So, just the, sat in the church wondering where that draft's coming from. So, so there are uh, there are other uh, there are other sweet there are other <laughs> yeah there are other sweet types available. Uh, roses, celebrations, and the much maligned heroes. Um, and um, they're yeah they're all available. But you get you get the point. Um, the current varieties that they have are the purple one, which is chocolate filled with hazelnut and caramel. Uh, the Ugh. the green triangle. Uh, chocolate, hazelnut, praline, 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 praline. toffee finger, pretty self-explanatory, 
um, uh, and a hell of a medical condition. Strawberry Delight, uh, which is chocolate and then strawberry uh, like a cream. Uh, Caramel Swirl, which is caramel and chocolate. Uh, Milk Choc Block, it's just chocolate really. Um, Orange Chocolate Crunch, Uh, it's got like bits of orange crunchy bits inside basically uh i feel like, i feel like i'm queuing at like a burger king and i'm asking what's in this burger yeah and the person behind the cab <laughs> <is> just... <laughs> uh orange cream yeah. uh fudge just fudge coconut eclair so bits of desiccated coconut inside of a lovely chocolate wrap or oh, toffee penny much like the toffee finger uh yeah. chocolate caramel brownie I don't. That's a new that's one. A don't new get me started. You, I have, I have things to say about okay, this. Okay, well, let's let's hold fire. Uh, lemon zing, uh, which is a mm. lemony one, I guess. Never heard that one. Crispy truffle bite. I quite liked these uh, back in the day. Uh, these are in John Lewis stores only, so uh, exclusive. A greeny, a greeny in a bottle. Don't know what that is. A teal, a teal wrapper. Anyway, um, and matchmakers sold separately. As different bits and pieces, basically. It's just a big box of disappointment, really, Quality Streets, isn't it? It's, it's, it is. And also, I would yeah. say, as a piece of trivia, Quality Street gained the implied endorsement of Saddam Hussein when yeah. the Iraqi leader was go. reported to have offered them to visiting British politician George Galloway in 2002. Nestle... Now... I won't comment, but Nestle were initially positive. <laughs> Fine. But uh, but chose to later backtrack the, the connection. Initially, oh, oh, so, have, have you heard about who's eating uh, chocolates? Who's that? Oh, is it is it a celebrity like Meatloaf? No, no, no. Is it is it? I don't know. Somebody is it? I don't know. Is it Barack Obama, one of the most you know incredible leaders of our time? No, it's it's a it's a convicted mass murderer. Oh, brilliant. We're initially Right. Anyway, um, I haven't had Quality Street in ages, but I do miss them. Um, really? I, I find Quality Street's a disappointment. Really? Just across the board. The There are a fair few good chocolates in there, and all the good chocolates just end up tasting and smelling like the bad chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. what's the point? Yeah. yeah, a sort of net loss. I'm a bigger fan of Cadbury's chocolates, uh, which right. this is, obviously this is Nestle, so yeah. um, I prefer Cadbury's chocolate. Yeah. Um, by the way, I don't want to skip past the fact that when you had the option to choose any celebrity, your mind went to meatloaf. Just want to answer that. But the, the point you made with the caramel chocolate brownie, my favourite by a mile is the Toffee Deluxe. And this year it has been dropped in favour of a ca- chocolate caramel brownie. And I am not impressed. Wow. Two, they I th- Apparently they I think they dropped the Toffee Penny, uh, the Toffee Deluxe two years ago. And then there was a social media backlash and it was <laughs> reinstated. Oh, and then two years God. later they've got rid of it again. And I am disappointed admittedly the toffee finger is exactly the same just a different shape so Mm. i can get past it but i was very disappointed and i have no interest in the caramel chocolate brownie it's all about the caramel swirl gents yeah i think you're all about the caramel swirl yeah it is i would say i would go for um and hear me out on this one i would say my top pick if i was to have something along these lines uh probably would be the coconut eclair um 
So coconut, if, if it's the one I'm remembering, basically I'm a big bounty fan. Uh, I've got to say, you know, you're uh, the one. Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, I like to think of, I like to, th- I'm, I, I'm very hashtag blessed because uh, that means that every single time I rock up to a little selection of chocolates, there's always the coconut one left. There's always one left. I'm never disappointed. If I could find somebody who liked coffee ones, then I'd be well away because that would be your perfect partner. Right. This is how the Avengers formed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Did you hear that? Oh, oh yeah. I've just, I've, I've just got a message. Oh. Just got a message. Oh, okay. What's, what's the message? Oh, it's, it's, it's from the question oh, man. <laughs> he just doesn't stop now. No postscript. <laughs> he sent, well, he sent me a voice memo on. Uh, oh, a voice memo. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he shouldn't really be. I mean, he shouldn't really be reading other people's mail, but uh, after after what he said to you, I I wouldn't open any sort of media messages if I were you. <laughs> I love a fudgy finger, but the thing I most look forward to in after eight before bed. There we go. A what? A what before bed? <laughs> I'll, I'll play it again. I can't read. Okay, it. Yeah, sure, to be fair, it didn't sound perfect. good. I love a fudgy finger, but the thing I most look forward to in after eight before bed. And after, and eight, after before eight before bed. Okay, yeah. That's, I heard something very different uh, first I, I heard mode. something very different, yeah. Uh, so, very, very problematic. <laughs> very, yeah. Uh, very earned our explicit tag. Would you... Here's, here's the question for you. What is, the, what is the difference between... Apart from amount of selection, but what is the real inherent difference between... Bo- uh, a, a bag of Quality Street and a bag of Revels. What do you mean? Well, Revels are chocolate-covered different things with filling in, right? Yeah, but they're all the same texture and general size. Yeah, they, they all they all look the Generally. same. Yeah. yeah. I sp- I sp- so when you put your hand into a bag yeah. of Revels, you go, you don't know what you're going to get. The only thing you know is a Maltese because it's slightly yeah, bigger the than the With Quality Street... Yeah. You spend five agonizing minutes trying to find the single one you like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you get to it, and then you realize granddad's put the bloody wrapper back in the thing against Christmas protocol. That is a war crime. <laughs> I'm like, people do that with After Eight Mints as well. Again, this is another product from our friends at Nestle. But uh, the uh, uh, ben- Bendix also do a version. Um, the After Eight Mint. Have you ever. I. Alex does this. Alex does this and it makes me blood red mad. She <laughs> she takes the after eight mint out of the out of the wrapper, eats the after eight thing, and puts it immediately back into the thing. Mm. And with the after eight mints, it's very difficult to see what's a what's what's a full wrapper and what's an empty wrapper. And it absolutely grinds my gears. Because every time you go in and you're like, oh, I'll have one of them, and it's like you clutch air. Like Hang on, Pete, go, Pete, can I just ask? How often do you have a box of After Eights? Not, not long. No, not very often, Dan, because they cause arguments in this house. <laughs> Why didn't you invent a new game called After Eight Roulette? You finish your After Eight, then on a piece of paper you write down some sort of funny thing, like you've got to pretend to be a chicken for 10 seconds, or you've got to run around the sofa 10 times or whatever, and you put that inside the After Eight packet, put it back in the box, and forget about it. And then when you next have an after eight, if you pick up an empty packet, that's you've got to do the challenge that's inside. Oh, that's a good one, actually. Hmm. It's like a bit it. like the deer hunter.
Um, so Sam, I was a little bit miffed yes. that um, we'd planned you and I to go and see Knives Out, oh, yeah. Ian Johnson, <laughs> and instead, Pete Dan, I got a text from Sam saying he'd, he'd elected to go with his father-in-law instead. Yes, right, and mother-in-law. Okay, yeah, you know. So you know how Sam sometimes goes on about the fact that I sometimes see films without him being there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just got a text on the night. Oh, by the way, uh, yeah. Sorry, I know we planned it, but I'm we're going to go and see it with uh, my parents-in-law. Well, no, sh- that that yeah. is shocking. No, honestly, I am surprised. Well, it was it. First of all, Chris, you and Veronica were in Mallorca. That's true. Yeah. So that's what you did. You to were me, Sam. uninvitable. Booked the flight straight away. I did. But yeah, we went to go and see Knives Out, which is well, it's a it's an Agatha Christie. Tale for our time, I guess. Would you? That's how you describe it, Chris. Yeah, it's a it's a love letter to that kind of murder mystery. Your quintessential Christie esque murder mystery. You've got all the all the makings of it. You've got a famous novelist, um, a patriarch of a family who's done very well. He's got this big old mansion that's full of uh, mementos of his his um, his successes as a novelist, um, played by Christopher Plummer. And he dies. Yeah. He's found with his throat slit, and it's and it seems like suicide. But for some strange reason, um, a renowned detective called Benoit Blanc, or Benoit Benoit, Benoit Blanc, played by Benoit Benoit Blanc, um, has been hired to, to look, have a look into this case, which suggests there's foul play here. And ostensibly throughout the film, secrets are revealed about this family, and you slowly piece together the events of that night. Um, of of um, Fromby, Fromby's death um, and it goes in this interesting kind of twisty turny way with this tongue in cheek kind of nod and wink to an audience who they're expecting is fully aware of all the cliches all the conventions and all the yeah. trappings of these Agatha Christie-esque murder mysteries um, you've got a fantastic cast Anna de Armas who I saw last was in Blade Runner 2049 is brilliant as the the former nurse of uh, the um, the murdered man, but the standout performance really, as well on top of that, is uh, Daniel Craig, who mm, yeah. is having as much fun as I've ever seen him in any role um, as Benoit Blanc, who just basically chews up all the scenery, uh, playing a character that was dubbed CSI KFC by one of the other characters in it. <laughs> I mean, it is literally Foghorn Leghorn throughout. Um, it's great fun. It's really, really good fun. Um, I, it's just got hilarious things like, for example, Pete, that the nurse is the character of the nurse. She has this affliction where basically she cannot lie. If she tr- if she does lie, it makes her physically sick. Brilliant. So, okay, yeah, that sounds just, good. But I'm not. I don't really like the director has um, cautioned audiences that have seen it not to spoil anything. So I'm very conscious of that. Okay. But if you're really a big fan of murder mysteries, yeah, and especially, yeah, like I mean, if like we talked about um, Magpie Murders, the novel, like Anthony Horowitz's, a few episodes back, and it is like that kind of, it holds these kind of like Christie stories in such high regard, and but it does something a little bit different. There's a little bit of a nod and wink there. Um, it reminds me a bit of like. Um, like if if you took the board game Cluedo and gave it a novelization, you know how you've got these these kind of like these broad brushstrokes of a narrative, but then somebody will write the novelization of the film and it goes into much more depth. Right. It reminds me of that. Like, what if Cluedo 
was again a film like you know the Tim Curry film Clue because you've all the characters represent kind of archetypes you see in these kind of Christie narratives. It's great fun, honestly. It's great fun. You will not be disappointed. No. And uh, uh, yeah, it's what it's everything you want it to be and more. And I think especially coming off the back of Rise of Skywalker, no, the Last Jedi, uh, Last, Jedi. Of Last Jedi. Like I think you definitely get the feeling of a director who's just like, oh. Oh, like Chris out of the flotation tank, just yeah. like oh my god, just like yeah, or Pete, or Pete having an after eight. Yeah, big studio off his back. It's just like when uh, Joss Whedon finished kind of uh, the first Avengers Assemble and then went straight in and did uh, like a twelve day shoot of Much Do About Nothing, filmed yeah. in black yeah. and white at his house with all of his friends and released it and everything like uh-huh. that. But he kind of people referred to it as like a palate cleanser as much as he loved doing it, because it was the antithesis of what Avengers was. Um, from what I've not seen Knives Out, from what I've seen of it, it, obviously, for very obvious reasons, reminds me of the film that came out a couple of years ago of um, the adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express, which yeah. very similarly kind of had came, came in with the view of having this kind of murder mystery, but with this all-star cast. Now, I don't think, I think by the, by, by it looks as though Knives Out is much more tongue-in-cheek than what Murder on the Orient Express was, although that wasn't necessarily super, super serious, but it, it obviously played it a bit straighter. Um, and I think there is something really enjoyable about those types of films where part of the enjoyment is just seeing this cast of incredible actors just kind of having fun. Final question, Chris. Did you miss me? Of course I did. We, um, I bought an extra ticket just to... I actually had an ice, I had, I actually had an ice sculpture made of you, Sam, which I stuck in the <laughs> chair next to me. Oh, political. <laughs> so that was Staying In. And for our last episode of this year, it featured Chris Darby, Daniel Frost, Peter Willington, and myself, Sam Turner. It's a big thank you to everyone at Cosmos Games and Devere Games for supporting the show by providing us a copy of The Incredible Silk. If you are struggling for a present for the board gamer in your life, then Silk is definitely up there with some of the best games that we've played this year, I would reckon. Also, it's a big thanks to yourselves for listening to the podcast, sharing it with your friends and your family and your colleagues. Please do continue to do that for us over the coming months because it really is the best way that the show can grow and we can bring you the best in things that are out there. Uh, Have an amazing Christmas. We will be back on the 1st of January 2020. 20 so stay tuned for that keep up to date with what we're doing over christmas what we're playing what we're watching i'm at mr sam turner staying in is staying in pod on twitter instagram staying in podcast.com's got all the information you need to follow us over the festive period i know you want to but again please let me reiterate have a fantastic holiday season whatever you're doing We wish you all the best for the year to come. But until the next episode, it's goodbye for now.